Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, March 22nd, 2022. On today's episode of the show, we are going to gather around the virtual water cooler and talk about what we've been up to. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Brad, what is going on? Uh, what what have you been doing recently? Anything? Uh, not really. You know, the weather is getting nicer. Things are not so hellish. So I guess I've started to do... Uh, a little bit more. Actually, I just remembered something that I just did that was pretty cool that I haven't gotten a chance to talk about yet. So uh, I just added that to our little doc for the water cooler episode today. Okay, well, tell me about it. Uh, I went to the office experience in Chicago. Uh, this is like uh, an installation. Uh, I think it's supposed to be like touring around the country, different major cities uh, that was created to basic. It's It's mostly like the, the simplest and somewhat dismissive way to describe it is it's a glorified photo op. But uh, this um, they did a really good job of basically recreating the set of Dunder Mifflin and allow you to walk through it uh, and feel like you're walking uh, through the actual offices that you see on the show. Um, it's it's done pretty meticulously. There were every now and then there were like little details I wish they would have included, but they did a, overall a really good job of recreating the space. Um, occasionally it felt like there were issues as far as like, 
how they spaced it out that it wasn't quite necessarily as you know perfectly representative of what the actual set was like but considering uh what they the space they have to work with and it has to be something that people have to interact with every day for the i don't know like uh six or eight months i think it's been in in chicago i I know that it got extended into march otherwise i would have uh missed it but it's it's pretty cool they have like all the desks in place and michael's office and the conference room and just uh, every pretty much everything you would want to like get a picture in and, and sit around and take pictures and see uh they did a pretty good job with um and so, yeah, that was it was uh, def- definitely an, an enjoyable uh, experience. <laughs> I guess all things considered, um, The Office is the type of show where it's not too difficult to recreate the set. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, yeah. And so it's, yeah, it, it, you know, it, it's it's weird because like, oh, cool, you went to an office that recreated a boring office. <laughs> but it's it's just like, you know, it, it's it's how they recreated the, the place that, you know, you've seen so many times in TV and like sitting in, you know, Jim's chair uh, and, and Dwight's chair and kind of, you know, uh, I, I did like a couple pictures of like looking at the camera, like smirking like Jim, mm-hmm. you know, like, you like, like, like like an idiot. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was fun. It's, it's leaving Chicago. Uh, I think March 27th is the last day. So if you haven't done it and you're in the area, now's the time to like book a time slot. I don't know where it's going next or if, if, if it is even going, which I, I think it is. Um, but yeah, you got a little time to check that out in Chicago. Okay. So that is the office experience. Uh, what have you been reading recently, Brad? Uh, I'd started flipping through the art of the Batman. I haven't dug into it super deep yet, but I, I flipped through some of the pages, checked some things out, uh, the sections that I was like more interested in learning about. Uh, and it's, it's a pretty cool book. This one doesn't come out until April 19th. So a little while before you'll be able to get your hands on it, but uh, has great commentary from Matt Reeves and his crew talking about the development of uh, the the new Batman look from his suit uh, to even Bruce Wayne's uh, wardrobe. The Batmobile stuff was uh, is especially interesting, and so lots of behind the scenes stuff. Again, I, I've only just started digging into it. Uh, the coolest thing is seeing just how detailed uh, the like drawings are for batman suit it's it's all like very tactical blueprint-esque drawings where they really got into the nitty-gritty because so much of the focus is put on the the idea of this being only two years into bruce wayne uh you know being batman doing this 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 gotham crime experiment and so everything had to be really uh realistic as something that he could feasibly make himself without the help of you know wayne industries because even though bruce wayne is rich this is something that he doesn't have Lucius Fox to help him with. So it's, you know, that's why the Batmobile is like a real car. You know, it's, uh, it's a, um, a, uh, a chart, it's a charger, it's a challenger. I forget which one, but it's, it's like a muscle car that has, you know, been overhauled and just, you know, given a, a really harder frame and just a very practical approach to both Batman and all of his stuff. Uh, so it's, it's interesting to see like the kind of drawings they did to figure out how they could do this stuff realistically with, uh, you know, resources that Bruce Wayne could, procure and also modify himself nice all right so that's the art of the batman comes out next month i'm looking forward to uh to checking that one out if i get my hands on it um let's get into what we've been watching i just have two things that i wanted to mention i caught up with deep water over the weekend this is uh, the new movie that's on hulu right now um it stars ben affleck and ana de armas and it is like the return of the uh erotic thriller from the 90s uh or 80s and 90s that that genre that seemed to be so prevalent there for a while um, and it has since sort of fallen off um, you know <laughs> as as uh, movies have gotten 
you know, into that micro budget or mega budget uh, uh, duality or whatever you want to call it um, over the past 20 years or so. Um, but yeah, Adrian Lyne uh, directed this. He's the guy behind Fatal Attraction and several of these other movies that are sort of staples of this genre. Uh, this movie, I think, I want to say it was made from, or it was made with the intention of being in theaters. It was like a 20th Century Fox movie that was then, you know, I guess acquired by Disney and then ultimately sort of dumped onto Hulu. Uh, and I think because of the the off-screen relationship between Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas that developed around this time and then their subsequent breakup and uh, all of the stuff that happened sort of off-screen with it, I think there was a lot of, um, I don't know, like weird, weird energy around this movie like, of people like sort of uh, sharks circling their prey in the water, kind of like waiting to take this down as soon as it eventually, you know, arrived. And it, it debuted on Hulu uh, this past weekend. And um, it's, it's not that bad, Brad. It's a weird movie. Uh, there's some weird things that happen in it, but it, it's, 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 um, I kind of ended up enjoying it way more than I thought I was going to. It's a little predictable. Uh, there are moments where I wish it, it sort of ramped up and and like went further with its sort of zaniness a little bit um but it's i didn't realize this um at the time but patricia highsmith wrote the novel that this is based on and she was the author behind the talented mr ripley and uh strangers on a train which hitchcock hitchcock made into a movie in the early 50s so um you know this has like a a has actually has like some pedigree behind it um it, it, it is a little bit of a weird movie. I'll give people that. Uh, but I, I don't think it's like an out and out disaster, which I think a lot of people um, expected given all of the sort of behind the scenes rumblings about, uh, you know, it, it getting dumped to Hulu and all that stuff. So yeah, if you're, if you're in the mood for uh, sort of a throwback type of movie, um, something that feels a little bit like a, not quite a murder mystery, but like a, uh, a, a mysterious uh, movie where you're like really questioning the behavior of the central characters a lot and their motivations and this weird, it, it reminded me a little bit of, um, of like gone girl mixed with uh, God. I don't, I don't even know. It, there are so many like comps that you could list here, but um, yeah, it, it had a little bit of gone girl energy. You spend a lot of time just being like, wow, there are people that that maybe live their lives this way, and that is not me at all. But uh, man, they're they're really going for it. There's all sorts of like power dynamics, and um, you know these these sexual exploits that that happen that are just like uh, chess moves between the Ben Affleck and and Ana de Armas character. So uh, there's some interesting stuff in here. It's definitely not a, a full scale disaster um, like I was expecting it to be. But um, yeah, there you go. Deep Water on Hulu. Check it out if you're. <laughs> you're interested. Uh, and then the only other thing that I finally caught up with was uh, licorice pizza, which um, I don't know, I liked it better than inherent vice and better than phantom thread. But it's still, you know, I guess I guess these movies just aren't quite my thing, Brad, like the the sort of hangout movie, like every uh, what's the uh, Richard Linklater one, the, the baseball movie, um, uh, everybody wants some. Yeah, everybody wants some I feel like is, is maybe like the exception to the rule for me where like, I actually really, really like that movie a lot. And that is like sort of an aimless movie that's just about the chemistry of the actors and sort of like just being dropped into a situation and kind of hanging out with people. And there's not really as much of a a uh, plot or like narrative propulsion behind it. And Licorice Pizza reminded me of that a little bit, but I just didn't 
care for it quite as much. Um, boo, boo. Well, <laughs> well do, do you like licorice pizza more than uh, everybody wants them? Uh, so I actually haven't seen Everybody Wants Some yet. That's, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I haven't got a chance to, to sit down and watch that one. Oh, um, man. But, but I love Hangout movies. And like, and I also think this is a little bit more of a Hangout movie because like, it's kind of like a coming-of-age romance, but where the characters don't really actually come of age or learn anything. Yeah, they're just yeah. Kinda, they're, they're just like having this on-again, off-again romance. But I just kind of – I love the chemistry between them, and it's uh, – you know, it's it's a PT Anderson movie through and through, and I think that's just why I love it so much. Yeah, I mean, the the performances are are solid throughout, and and I love like some of the um, it, the movie is really like episodic, like it feels episodic. You know, there's like a 20 minute stretch where they get involved with John Peters, who's, who's played by Bradley Cooper, and like I really enjoyed that stretch of it. And then there's like another stretch where um, they go to a restaurant and uh, Sean Penn's character is hanging out with Tom Waits's character. <laughs> and like the, they are getting into this little, uh, this sort of like blustery bravado of like reuniting after several years. And, and Tom Waits who plays a director is trying to, uh, to encourage Sean Penn who plays an actor to like get on a motorcycle and jump over a, a flaming pile of trash on a golf course. That's right outside of the restaurant. And like all of that is, is sort of like a background noise for again, the power dynamics between the, the Alana Haim character and the Cooper Hoffman character. It's, it's kind of, it's more about these teenagers and like, or I guess uh, Alana Haim's character is like 25 in the movie, but it's more about these young people and like the relationship they have to each other in this moment and like all the craziness that's swirling around them. But that particular subplot just seemed to last a long time. And like that, that scene, I guess, if you want to call it that, uh, just really is, is sort of stretched out and like it culminates in something really meaningful and interesting for both of the young characters. Um, but I just wish it kind of like took less time to get there. Uh, so there are these little, yeah, it's like, it's a very, um, fluid movie where, it sort of uh, drips down and forms an eddy and then turns around and comes back in. And, and, you know, it's just sort of like water dripping down a mountainside or something. So um, it's a, it's definitely like an experiential kind of movie. And I think very much it's like a, a, your mileage may vary kind of thing. Um, You know, we could, I could talk a lot more about it, but I, I don't, I think you have a lot to talk about on this episode and we're limited on time. So I'll leave it at that. Maybe we'll, we'll bring up some more, uh, about this movie if it comes up on a future episode or something. But um, yeah, Licorice Pizza available to rent right now and Deep Water is on Hulu right now. Um, so Brad, what have you been watching? Uh, so I have a couple of titles here that I'm going to mention that also came from South by Southwest, but I, I watched them after we recorded our podcast just because we still had some time left. And uh, one of them is Kids in the Hall Comedy Punks. And uh, since I'm a huge comedy nerd, uh, you know, love things like uh, SNL and Upright Citizens Brigade, uh, I was really excited to see this because Kids in the Hall, you know, is one of the great uh, sketch TV shows and all five of the comedians that are um, in this group are just amazing. And uh, I really wanted to see this documentary just about their, you know, rise and their their legacy. And it, it didn't disappoint. Um, if, if The only way that I think it actually did disappoint is that I wish it was actually a little bit longer and we got to spend some more time. Uh, going through their their history because it kind of it, it's a breeze it's roughly uh, a 90 minute movie and I kind of wish we had to spend some more time just uh, chilling in exploring each of the seasons of the sketch comedy TV show that kids in the hall uh, had in the uh, early 90s where you know it was really groundbreaking at the time because while SNL was doing uh, live sketch comedy that was parodying uh, headlines and doing topical pop culture kind of stuff 
kids in the hall uh, really focused on just kind of everyday life scenarios uh, and making comedy out of them. And since the entire troupe is just five uh, male comedians, they also dressed in drag a lot. Uh, and what's interesting about it is that when they did this, the um, despite, you know, being these five guys, they didn't uh, have female characters who were meant to like mock women and like, you know, making jokes about their periods and all that stuff. Uh, it was stuff where they actually had, you know, significant, you know, female characters and they just happen to be played by men. Uh, and the same thing was, uh, was also can also be said for their approach to homosexual topics because uh, within uh, the group itself, there's only uh, five of them. They actually, you know, had uh, a, a gay cast member uh, in the form of, um, uh, Scott Thompson. And so they were one of the, like, uh, pretty much the only sketch comedy show that was, uh, that featured, uh, gay characters or like comedic subjects that were, you know, drawn from Scott Thompson's experiences as a gay man. And so it was really groundbreaking in that way uh, by having representation for, uh, both women and, and the homosexual community at a time when, uh, it wasn't, they weren't really prominent at the time. So uh, this is going to be on Amazon sometime this year because Amazon is also going to have the uh, the Kids in the Hall uh, re- uh, revival reunion. Um, they're calling it basically season six, a way to continue the show uh, that ended back in the, the mid-90s. So uh, if you're a Kids in the Hall fan, if you're a comedy fan, this is definitely going to be worth checking out. Okay, so that's Kids in the Hall comedy punks. And when you were talking there, Brad, it reminded me a little bit of um, like Key and Peele. It seems like... Uh... Key and Peele maybe were were influenced uh, a little bit by the way that the kids in the hall sort of handled those those kinds of topics. But, oh yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Uh, okay, what else have you been watching? Uh, I watched The Empty Man, and hell yes, <laughs> yeah. I I remember you writing about this, and I remember hearing good things about it. And man, what a weird movie! <laughs> uh, it's like it's kind of like a supernatural film noir, um, and like it's. I'm not entirely sure if I really like it. I, I think I admire it. It does some really interesting things. But man, what a what a trippy movie. I, I can see why this one got unceremoniously dumped into theaters without much like pomp and circumstance. Because I feel like they would have had a really hard time selling it without misleading audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some really cool stuff in here. I, you know, I, the, the ominous cult aspect is really interesting. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, um, the 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 sequence when he is in the uh um, in the, James Badge Dale's in the woods investigating uh this cult that has like seemingly like claimed the lives of of teenagers based on this like myth of uh, what is known as the empty man uh is really really well done and it's done in such a such a creepy way too i really like uh that sequence in particular but uh i don't want to ruin anything by really talking about like how the movie evolves cuz like the 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 fun of it is really just going on this ride and being along with the character James Badgedale as this uh, washed up uh, kind of depressed detective as he figures out what's going on. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's, it's, it's definitely worth watching. I'm not sure if it's a, a really good movie, but it is, it's, uh, it's interesting to watch. Man, that opening scene of the empty man has stayed with me ever since I saw it. Like the, you know, when they, they explore that sort of like um, cavernous area and they're like the lights just, uh, uh, I guess land on this mysterious formation of like whatever the hell skeleton kind of thing yeah. is down there. Like so creepy, so well executed. I, I love this movie. So I'm glad that you, if not like, uh, 
even if you had some reservations, I'm glad you enjoyed parts of it. So, and if you do go watch this movie, if, if, and you and you've read the like the synopsis or you've watched the trailer, don't be confused because you're not watching the wrong movie. I was worried that I clicked the wrong movie <laughs> because of how long the the opening prologue is and what it focuses on. But it's that's just how they set it all up. So yeah. <laughs> Good enjoy stuff. hopefully <laughs> yeah last time i checked the, the empty man was on hbo max is that where you watched it yeah yeah it's still there okay cool uh what's next for you uh also on the thriller subject i watched no exit on hulu which was uh just a cool little little thriller um it has a great concept i don't think the movie fully capitalizes on how good the concept is and it kind of uh gives away like the mystery a little too soon but it does have some some great suspense for those of you that don't know it focuses on um, a, uh, a young girl who is in rehab and she makes an escape because her mother is in the hospital sick and she wants to make sure that she can be there uh, even though she's not allowed out of the uh, the rehab facility that she's in. But there's um, so she's driving to Salt Lake City. She's going through the mountains. It's very, very snowy. And unfortunately, the weather forces um, has the cops forcing her to pull over at this uh, rest area in the secluded mountains. And there are a few other people there. And she comes to realize that one of them has kidnapped a young girl who is trapped in a van in the parking lot. And so it's this mystery of her trying to figure out who it is and then also trying to survive the night once it comes to fruition. Um, and there, there's some interesting things here. Um, it's, it's, it's a very enjoyable movie, but I, I wish that it would have just... Um, you utilize the concept uh, a little bit better, but it's it's definitely a fun one that's worth watching. Yeah, it's a nasty little movie. It's, it gets like surprisingly intense at certain Yeah, spots, yeah for sure. So, um, good stuff. Okay, and then you also caught up with uh, one of my favorite movies from Sundance, Cha-Cha Real Smooth. Yeah, this one played at South by Southwest as well. And since I missed it uh, at Sundance and I didn't have time to check it out, I was glad to see it see it there. And yeah, what just what a charming movie this is. Cooper Rafe might be one of the most delightful young actors, and I hope that he gets to do uh, a lot more. He also writes and directs this one, and uh, it really is just this wonderful uh, coming of age movie about this young twenty something kid who's like trying to figure his life out, and uh, you know. It, he he feels like someone who has it together because he's just so uh, affable and the way he engages with people, like he's so friendly and people immediately trust him. Uh, but he's really just does not have a shit together uh, inside. And you, um, he strikes up this friendship with Dakota Fanning, who is a young mother with uh, a daughter. Dakota Johnson. Oh, sorry, Dakota Johnson. <laughs> what did I say, Fanning? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Dakota Johnson, um, who has a daughter on the autism spectrum, and uh, it's it's it feels like what could have been a much more typical cliche Sundance kind of thing, where like there's a romance that sparks, and and like there there is one there, but like the way the movie unfolds and the way it concludes, I feel like it was um, a bit more. Uh, mature and reflective of Cooper Rafe, the way that he went went about it. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's just a wonderful movie. And so when you get a chance to see that, uh, you should absolutely do so. Yeah, definitely. I still have uh, his first movie, Shithouse, on my list of things to watch because I know that that movie was like widely acclaimed when it came out a year or two before uh, Cha Cha Real Smooth, but I've not I've not had a chance to check yeah, it out. Yeah, now I, I want to see that too, yeah. Definitely. Okay, what else? Uh, I watched a, uh, an old movie, uh, Valley of the Dolls. And this is a movie that you have probably heard of in passing because it is uh, infamously trashy. Uh, very well known for being this um, kind of just, yeah, trashy movie from 1967. Um, and I think that's mostly because of the time in which it came out. Because by today's standards, it's not very trashy, but it's super melodramatic. Um, the movie is, uh, features Barbara per Parkins, Petty Duke, and Sharon Tate as uh, these three women who are... 
uh, up and coming, like kind of like in the entertainment industry in, in different ways. And it follows their story and like uh, their relationships with, with different, different men and how their careers progress and uh, just kind of jumps around uh, across time as they, they age and get deeper into uh, Hollywood. And it's, um, it's one of those movies where it's, there's a lot of melodrama and it like, it's basically kind of like the cliche depiction of, of women struggling with, with uh, fame and like men who are not, you know, not loyal to them and infidelity and all this stuff. But the big thing is that uh, they all come to um, be addicted to uh, de- antidepressant pills or, or, or downers. Uh, maybe those are depressant pills actually um, and diet pills. And so it, it becomes a very like after school special almost kind of feeling. And so I think the trashy label comes from the fact that it, it was a little bit provocative for 1967 as, as far as uh, not really, but almost showing some, some nudity and, and whatnot, and probably its approach to uh, how these pills, you know, uh, were part of the, these women's lives. But uh, yeah, I, it was just one that I was, I don't know, I guess happy to check off like uh, my list of like a movie that I had known about and that was very famous and I just mm-hmm. hadn't, hadn't seen it yet. So yeah, that's, that's Valley of the Dolls. Yeah. I've never seen this one. Um, have you seen beyond the Valley of the Dolls? I have not, but I, I know that's the one with uh, that, that Roger Ebert produced, right? Yeah. He wrote it and uh, I think Russ Meyer directed it. There was going to be like a, a biopic movie made not too long ago, or that was supposed to be made not too long ago that had like Will Ferrell and somebody else like yeah. famous uh, playing the role of, uh, Russ Meyer and somebody else was going to be playing Roger Ebert and that project ended up falling apart. But yeah, when I think of B- Valley of the Dolls, I just think of like the Roger Ebert-ness of, of beyond the Valley of the Dolls. I've never seen either one, but um, yeah, it sounds like uh, an interesting time capsule. Of and, a, and a fun fact, John Williams did some of the music for Valley of the Dolls. Wow. Oh man. Okay. Throwing out the, uh, <laughs> the uh, trivia there. All right. So you, you got one more um, movie that you wanted to talk about. Yeah. I watched Kimmy last night, which is Steven Soderbergh's new movie that is on HBO Max right now. And this is uh, a cool little throwback thriller that feels like it could have easily come out uh, in the mid nineties uh, along the lines of something like uh, the net you know, or, or the Pelican brief or something like that um zoe kravitz stars in it and she is this uh coder who works on what is basically like a a personal device like um the the amazon echo or or alexa called kimmy that people use in their everyday lives uh and it's kind of at the center of some controversy because like it's a it's a device that's like always listening and and learning about how like how to respond to your things but unlike uh using like ai or algorithms to help with those problems Kimmy famously uses coders like Zoe Kravitz's character to like fix issues where people aren't getting the response they want from uh, the device. And so she's, she's listening to like the questions they ask or the requests they make and figuring out where there's a disconnect that the device sometimes has. And when, while she's doing this, she uh, hears what sounds like uh, an assault on a woman where there's loud music playing that's obscuring it. And so she reports it and uh, like any, you know, sort of thriller like this, uh, she is then caught up in all of it because the company doesn't want to acknowledge that something like this happened. And so they, they're out to get her and it's a game of cat and mouse. And it's just, it's very well done. Soderbergh knows how to do these movies very well. It's a breezy 90 minute thriller. Uh, it's got some surprising moments in it and it's just uh yeah, just, just a slick little movie. 
I won't say much about it here, but I feel like that van moment, we should have a conversation about that in our favorite movie moments of the year, uh, you know, whenever we do that in January of 2023. But yeah, uh, yeah, that was a a great moment for sure. Really cool stuff. My only thing about Kimmy Brad, and I wonder if you feel this way too, is that it it sort of felt like the first, um, I guess like the first act almost, or maybe the first two acts of a movie. And then it just kind of ended and I was expecting it to just continue to ramp up more because it felt like, you know, they had laid the groundwork with all this, all the backdrop of like the, the evil tech people and like, you know, people coming after her and all that stuff, like you said. And then it's sort of like the, the obstacles are resolved in a way by the end of the movie. But I just kind of felt like there's potential for, for uh, much more like bigger and broader. um, I don't know if you want to call them action beats or whatever, like just more to the story. And then I was just surprised that it kind of ended. Did you, did you feel that way or did it work better for you? So I, I wasn't necessarily surprised that it ended, but I was surprised by how fast it went by. Cause like, um, I, I remember pausing it to like grab something to drink and I saw that there was only like 20 some minutes left and I was like, Oh really? And so it, it, I feel like it does happen pretty fast, but I also wasn't put off by that because I feel like with a movie like this, it can be easily easy to try and like make it bigger, uh, you know, m- make it something that isn't quite as as small. And I think that maybe this movie works better ha- having a smaller approach like this and dealing with things uh, in, I guess, what is you know a a, a simple fashion, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so I, d- I didn't really have a problem with that, and especially because I feel like more often than not nowadays, you see stories like this that like are very likely expanded into TV shows because no studio is willing to like make a movie about it. And so mm. the writer or the producer ever is like, okay, well let's just turn it into a series and we'll add a bunch of fluff to it. Yeah. And I think yeah. this, this easily could have gone down that road, but I'm, I'm glad it didn't. Yeah. I'm thankful that it didn't as well. Um, okay. So let's get into what we've been eating. Uh, I haven't been eating anything interesting, but from the looks of the doc here, you definitely have. So tell me about some of that. Yeah. I'll go through a few things real quick here. Uh, first thing I, I tried the new Coca-Cola starlight which is a new flavor that Coke put out that they're saying tastes like space. It is space flavored. Uh, if you're wondering what space tastes like, I don't know, but apparently it's Coca-Cola Starlight. Um, and that that <laughs> taste is Skittles, I guess. Um, it is. It has a fruity flavor to it that it tastes like... So when we worked at the movie theater when I was in high school... Uh, we would do this thing where you would uh, put your cup and like mix all the different fountain drinks. Not necessarily all of them, because some of them would be like gross to mix here. Like you don't want to mix, uh, you know, Pepsi with Mountain Dew, but just mm-hmm. the ones that make sense. And yeah, suicide. Yeah, suicide. But like we when we did it, we called it Skittles though, because it actually tasted like Skittles, and that's kind of what this this tastes like, uh, but with that Coke flavor too, and it, it works surprisingly well. Um, I, I I definitely in, enjoyed it, but here's a weird thing. Uh, so I posted about this on my my snack, soft drink, what what have you, Instagram, Brad's Junk. And uh, Peter Serretta commented on it, and he's like, it tasted like toasted marshmallow to me. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's like a complete opposite flavor of Skittles, and I have no idea where it got it. However, I recently did try it again. I don't know if it's just the influence of hearing him say this or what, but it I did get a taste of toasted marshmallow this time. So I don't know if maybe it's like depending on like what you've eaten that day or mm. like, or like something to do with your taste buds. But it was very strange to definitely have a Skittles taste when I first tried it and then have this toasted marshmallow taste come through uh, when I had it again later. So 
very weird. Um, if you've had this experience or if you have a different flavor, feel free to reach out to me. And let me know about it at Ethan underscore Anderton on Twitter. I'd love to hear about your Coca-Cola Starlight experience. <laughs> yeah, I'm very curious what uh, the world thinks space tastes like. So. Uh, all right, what else have you been uh, drinking in this case, Brad? Uh, so two new Monster Energy drinks. One of them is one of the mon- from the Monster Juice line, which I think is the the best from their drink lineup. Uh, it's Aussie style lemonade, and to me, this is one that's like along the lines of my favorite flavors, which is uh, I really like the the mango one and also the newer uh, Papillon uh, and Chaos flavors. And this one is right along those lines. It um, it's just an, a nice uh, sweet lemonade juice flavor um, that has just the right amount of carbonation in it. And yeah, so it's it's easily one of my new favorites out of the Monster Juice line. And then also uh, in the Monster Ultra line, which is the zero sugar variety, they have Ultra Peachy Keen, uh, which is fantastic. And I actually, as somebody who doesn't like diet sodas or zero sugar sodas for the most part, I have enjoyed pretty much all of the Monster Ultra flavors for whatever they they use for their uh, for their sweetening and for their flavors. It it doesn't take away from uh, from it actually tasting good, and it, oftentimes it really has a, a a great representation of the of the flavor within the drink without tasting too much like uh, you know a bad energy drink. Like some energy drinks, like they taste like they have stuff in them that it's just like oh, this was made in a lab somewhere. But <laughs> yeah, but like the 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 Monster Ultra lines, I feel like they actually taste like uh, carbonated juice drinks, and they're so they're really good. Okay, so that's Monster Juice Aussie Lemonade and Monster Ultra Peachy Keen. What else? And then I've tried a, tr- uh, a a quartet of jelly beans. It's it's Easter after all, and there's new jelly beans out there that I have found and tried out. And I'm going to go from best to, to absolute worst, uh, <laughs> starting with Fruit Loops. Fruit Loops jelly beans, they taste like Fruit Loops cereal. They're delicious. They, they have the absolutely perfect flavor of Fruit Loops in jelly beans form. Now, you might be saying to yourself, Brad, why don't you just have Fruit Loops? Sometimes I do, but sometimes I want jelly beans. And if those jelly beans taste like Fruit Loops, then I'm going to enjoy them. <laughs> The same the same can be said for Skittles jelly beans, which taste exactly like Skittles, just with a slightly different consistency. Can I have regular Skittles? Yes, but these are jelly bean Skittles. And so the consistency is just different enough to be maybe a little bit more enjoyable than regular Skittles, because sometimes Skittles can be like a little bit hard and granular, but jelly beans have a little bit more of that jelly consistency when you bite into them. So mm-hmm. maybe a little more enjoyable. Uh, now and later jelly beans. These are bad. They're very bad. <laughs> they all taste like a variation of soap with vague fruit flavoring. Oh, gross. Super disappointing because I like now and laters, but the, the flavors here are just bad and soapy and blech. Man, I liked now and laters when I was a kid, but like, I don't know, I guess into my late teens or something, it just, they started just doing a number on my teeth, just getting stuck. Yeah, they're the very, very chewy. Uh, so I, I, I tapped out of the now and later market a long time ago, but um, it, it's a bummer to hear that like uh, theoretically removing the worst part of the now and later experience, the, the teeth stickiness uh, and in the form of a jelly bean does not result in like a, uh, a, su- a superior experience. <laughs> yeah, very, very upsetting. Not nearly as upsetting as this last batch of jelly beans, though. Uh, taco truck jelly beans. <laughs> These were made by Brock's, the famous jelly bean company, and uh, I knew that most of these were going to be bad. I, I got them purely out of curiosity because I had seen them around online. And I was like, well, I have to find these because like, I want to know how they figure out how to pack these flavors into a jelly bean. And let me tell you, whatever they did is a, a crime against science and nature. <laughs> um, 
it's it's awful. I, I can't. I really can't tell you. I I just had these today, um, and they're they're very bad. There's six different flavors, uh, and I will go through them starting with the better ones. Uh, the first two that are actually good jelly beans are horchata and margarita. Uh, if you don't know what horchata is, it's like this uh, rice um, cold kind of drink that tastes like basically like a, a cinnamon toast crunch drink. Um, it's uh, it's definitely something that is uh, enjoyed by uh, by um, people who enjoy Mexican food and stuff like that. You'll often find it at Mexican markets and restaurants and things like that. And that one's pretty good, as is the margarita one. Um, on the less not less delicious category, we have churro, which is okay. Uh, it tastes a little too buttery rather than being uh, cinnamon-like. Um, so that one's just fine. Then we get to the the weird, which is guacamole, which yeah. which tastes like grass and not really like avocado or guacamole. Just just grass, like almost like the way you mentioned we would think like Easter grass would taste. That's what this tastes like. Then. You have the salsa jelly bean, which is like a vomit pill. Oh, God. <laughs> it is. It made me gag, and I almost threw it up. Uh, I did spit it out. I didn't throw up, thankfully. Uh, and then right along with it, right afterwards, as like a one-two punch of this is trash, is the beef taco <laughs> jelly bean. <laughs> I was curious if it was going to be beef taco or something like nachos. Uh, beef taco no, sounds no, like no, the no. worst of the two worlds, though. Yeah, it's beef taco, and like it's... It has like a vague beef flavor with taco seasoning, but it's yeah. just it's just a weird sensation to have like you're biting into a jelly bean, but then you get this awful meat flavor and it's ew, it is rough. <laughs> you know what this reminds me of? Have you ever had those um like the Harry Potter uh Yeah, the every flavor beans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've had I've had some of those. We actually at Christmas um we I, I actually got some for my girlfriend after I'd gone to to London and we, me and my family kind of played a game of like where <laughs> we we all tried some to figure, see if we could figure out which ones were bad and good and what the flavors yeah. were like. <laughs> okay, well, taco truck jelly beans. It sounds like it's it's best to just avoid the entire um, the entire suite of, of those. Uh, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's the it's not worth it even if you just want the the horchata or margarita jelly beans. Like just uh, just don't. It is <laughs> you're gonna be real upset. <laughs> Okay, all right. I think that's going to bring us to the end of today's episode. You can find more about the movies and shows that we mentioned on today's show at SlashFilm.com. SlashFilm Daily is published every weekday, bringing the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics at peter at SlashFilm.com. Uh, please make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow.